0: Welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Jan Orman. In this podcast series, we've invited people we know and admire to tell you their stories.
1: My name's Paula Cottervich.
2: So my name is Craig Sample. Evie Rader.
1: Molly
0: Shorthouse. My name's
2: Percy Knight. I was a career detective in the New South Wales Police Force. I identify
0: as a trans woman. I am a remote doctor in East Arnhem Land. These are people who may not have made the headlines, but whose stories are just as worthy of your attention as those you hear about in the media. Living
2: with cancer. I was struggling with PTSD for eight or nine years. I just had a lot of fear.
0: I was well and truly burnt out. These are people who have flourished and met life's challenges while managing their social
2: and emotional well-being. Uh, my career now is as a mental health advocate and educator.
3: I led a team that negotiated a $22 million native title. definitely taught me in my life a lot of persistence and given me a lot of strength.
0: We're hoping you'll find something in these stories to inspire you, whatever your situation right now. We're excited to bring you a very special episode of the podcast. Over the last year or more, we've been bringing you stories told by some pretty special people about their lives and their mental health. COVID-19 has taken us back to some of these people to ask them how they're doing under these difficult circumstances. In past episodes, Craig Semple told us about his career in the police force and his struggles with PTSD.
2: My name's Craig Semple. I'm a mental health educator and
0: advocate. Dr. Benvinda Jabrigas spoke about managing her severe depressive episodes in the context of her life as a general practitioner.
1: My name's Ben um, Benvinda Jabrigas. Uh, just call me Ben, my nickname.
0: Rugby league star and Black Dog Institute lived experience presenter, Wayne Wiggum, revealed the strategies he uses to. To manage his fluctuating moods.
3: Uh, my name's Wayne. I've been a lived experience presenter for The Black Dog for 10 years. And Indigenous educator, Paul
0: Callaghan, talked about the way he incorporates the old ways into his life to help manage his mental health.
4: Hi there, I'm Paul Callaghan.
0: They've all come back to tell us how they're managing during COVID-19. And as usual, they have fascinating stories to tell we asked each of these people the same three questions and got some very interesting answers. Our first question was, how has COVID-19 affected your life? I wonder if there's resonance for you in what they have to say.
2: Right, so before um, before COVID hit, uh, for the two years previous, I, I'd... Uh, I've been building up my business with, with workplace mental health education, um, and it was going really well. You know, I was so busy. I was, I was reaching all my goals. Uh, I was traveling all around Australia, delivering all this, these, these packages that, um, that I deliver. And then then overnight, uh, it was all shut down. And uh, like a lot of people, I think it took a little while for reality to sort of set in. You Know having been through a fair few adversities in my life, I didn't panic, it wasn't something that really you know flipped me out. But I do remember waking up one morning and it sort of went through the numbers and I thought I'd actually got quite pissed off that morning, uh, very early. And um, and I remember I tried to suppress it and then I thought, no, you know what, you should do just let yourself allow yourself to be pissed off for one day and one day only. So I went through that whole day and I and I allowed myself to be pissed off with the whole situation and then. The next day, reset. Okay, what are we gonna do? So it was all going back to stuff I've done um, many times in my life so far, um, particularly with with my battles through mental health. And that is just sitting down writing out a game plan, how to how to negotiate the whole the whole situation, the whole
1: challenge. Yeah, I, I, look, one of the things that this has helped me do, the, uh, you know, sort of the COVID has helped me do, is um, really have to think, um, was I getting enough life-work balance in what I was doing? Although having two weeks that I could take off every month, but, you know, being really um, very isolated um, for those substantial periods of time and just really finding that when I came back home I felt really, really good to be at home. Um, So um, I thought, no, I'll I'll just rebalance it. And it came at a a particularly good time because I didn't personally feel like I was abandoning anybody because of the fact that um, I couldn't go up there anyway. So, yeah, so maybe a bit of a poor man's excuse, but it definitely helped uh, rejig or reset my timings. Personally, um, it has been difficult um, because although I'm, I've been very accustomed and happy to be, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, on my own at home, but the knowledge that I couldn't actually, you know, sort of go and meet a friend for coffee. Not that I do that all the time, but it is one of those um, nice things Um, And with family, Um, being in Sydney, it's not that I'm seeing my family, extended family, every day or even every week, particularly when I live across um, you know the other side of Sydney and they live you know some you know nearly half an hour away but we always had every couple of weeks you know get-togethers and things like that so and it's a bit isolating Uh, after a while after about the the first couple of weeks didn't really affect me after about three weeks it just felt very lonely
3: Obviously, it's impacted me financially, like many people, because I'm not getting the presentations or the work that I was. But on a positive side, it's given me a rest. It's given me time to reconnect with friends and family. Um, So it's been both good and bad. But I would say just having the rest and reassessing has uh, outweighed any financial loss I've had, because fortunately, I'm okay to live um, week to week. I'm lucky in the fact that I have got a couple of flatmates. I have been alone when they were both away for 10 days and I did find that tough not to have uh, company around me. So I do respect for those who are living alone that this is a really, really tough time. Um, And I did struggle for that time I was by myself, just getting up and really walking around and around the house a bit (laughs) and not quite knowing who to talk to or what to do with myself. Um, So I appreciate that. But, no, it's been good for me and... um, I have got company, so it's made it fairly easy. And I do live near the beach, which also makes it easy because I can walk down, do some exercise and have a swim very easily. So I'm very lucky in that way.
4: When I started to see COVID showing itself in terms of the news stories, I kind of watched it and thought, oh yeah, that's interesting. It's not a big deal, it won't affect me. And then it became very real over a very short period of time when my wife was laid off from her job. Because I'm a consultant and the majority of my work involves training, uh, speaking at conferences and things like that, my work was canceled almost immediately as well once we were told we are in isolation. So having all of my work canceled was a blessing for me because at the same time I went to the GP and the GP and I showed him a suspicious looking lump in my shin on my right leg, about three millimeters in size, so not that remarkably big. A skin cancer that led to a 30 millimeter wound when he had surgery, when he had to do surgery on me a week later. So I felt very blessed and it meant that I was totally immobilized for 14 days, which is pretty hard work for someone like me who likes to walk an hour and a half every day. But out of that story came something quite interesting. Because I was immobilized and my leg was up on a a stool and I couldn't move, it turned into a major pain in my right calf and it ended up me being rushed to hospital with deep vein thrombosis. I gained an appreciation of how wonderful our health workers are. We're in the middle of a COVID crisis, but I was inside in a bed within five minutes of arriving at the hospital. A great doctor talked me through what I had the problems I was facing, the seriousness of it, and the diagnostic and also the prognosis and also what I needed to do over the next six months in order to to regain my health. And so it was just magnificent. So pulling all those things together, yes, COVID's impacted on my life in terms of what I've watched around the world. It's also impacted on my life in terms of freeing me up to have surgery that's probably saved my life, but in a wonderful contradiction, it almost ended my life. I've learned some really important things. So for me, COVID has been a bit of a blessing.
0: Everyone's experience is different and everyone has their own way of coping. We asked our self-care experts how they're managing the impact of COVID-19 on their lives.
3: Look, the main thing for me is exercise. Um, I do have to burn some energy every day. My theory is that you get so much energy to burn every day, and if you don't burn it, it can turn back on you, <laughs> which for me would be depression or uh, non-stop bad thoughts. So I've had to exercise. Um, I practice positive thinking. If I do get negative thoughts, I always force two good ones in. That's something that I I preach and have been practicing for a long time. So if the negatives do start, I Identified straight away. You know, if it tells me I'm a loser or I'm no good or the silly voices we get, I force good thoughts in. I make a choice not to think that way. I kind of say, no, it's your choice. You can either let these thoughts keep going or you can stop it now and start thinking good things about yourself. I've also been practising gratitude, you know. I'm just thankful that I have got friends and I have got family. Um, So, you know, just the little things, uh, and that's been really important to me. So it really has set me back. I'm practising the things that I preach and that I've been practising. I've really called on them during this time. And, you know, I do say, look, without being religious, there's a serendipity prayer, which I don't pray, but, but, you know, I can't change this. I'm a part of it. I'm a part of everyone else. And I acknowledge that there's nothing I can do to change it. I'm just in the game and I'll deal with it as it comes and I don't feel bad about it. I don't hate on myself. Or feel guilty or bad that I can't do any more than I'm doing. And that's really important that I know my limitation, what I can do and what I can't do during this time. And hence
1: why I started getting the um, into doing a bit more of the online courses. <laughs> and there was it, it's been a great initiative by a lot of the online um educational providers um, that they've put up a lot of you know uh, free podcasts and things like that um, on different topics and so yeah so I started doing that uh, quite a bit um, but uh, but otherwise personally yeah I, i've I've gotten through it it's it's not been devastating but it definitely has brought to the fore despite how much you think you quite happy in your own little space Well, with me are uh, brought to the for the extreme importance of how even um, little um, contact, you know, sort of with the outside world, particularly loved ones and friends is so important and not just over a screen, um, actually being able to sit on a park bench after a walk and talk to somebody with a cup, a cup of coffee.
4: How did I manage the impact? Well, I I used it in a productive way, being locked up, no work and immobile, I used it in that way. And late last year, I was contracted by a publisher to write two new books, as a flow on from my first book, Iridescence. So, because the book is all about wellbeing based on Aboriginal philosophy and spirituality for a a global audience of non-Aboriginal people, I was writing all these unique chapters about being grateful and about the importance of unity and about the importance of sharing. So it enabled me to actually live what I was writing because I was in the midst of a a global pandemic and I was in the midst of my own personal crisis. And so what I got was a renewed appreciation of the fragility of life. Because as I was watching what was happening around the world and the horrific numbers and the terrible sadness of of people going into care and, and those health workers dying as well, it reminded me of what our old people say, and that is, all we have is the present. And an epiphany came upon me towards the end of the book. I was writing a section on goal setting and how important goal setting is, but it it came to me that the Aboriginal way of seeing the world is that if our life ended on any given day, our old people traditionally would have said, I've lived a good story and I've lived a good life, because for an Aboriginal traditional person, the essence of their life was living in the present and living a good life in the present rather than putting off joy to the future. So what came to me was how old people, traditionally for 100,000 years, pretty much enjoyed every hour of every day because they lived in the present and maximized what was around them. In terms of managing it, what I've also discovered, you'll hear this noise. I rediscovered my old guitar, I used to play in a cafe. So I started strumming and I'm getting my fingers toughened up again. I actually got the microphone out and I dug out my old amps three days ago. I've been playing the guitar, but I'm actually confident enough to get back on the amps. So I've rediscovered my love of, of singing and playing. I've also rediscovered a love for the garden. And so my wife and I have been in the garden day in, day out, enjoying this magnificent autumn weather. And I've also rediscovered a love of reading and I've found out the joys of a, a beautiful warm bath with Spotify fave music with candles. Uh all these things are just wonderful things. And in this downtime I've been doing them basically on a daily basis. But that doesn't mean that I don't have my my potholes in my own mental health well-being. And so a week ago I was running a a webinar, required a six hour drive to Sydney and a three hour intense webinar that I really enjoyed. But the after effects for the next two days was I was in a state of agitation, anxiety and self doubt. And not that I did anything wrong, but I had to really reflect and remind myself that it's okay to have these bumps in terms of agitation and anxiety, because it has been a hard month for a lot of people, including myself. And I reminded myself of the importance of flowing and accepting how I was feeling and flowing with what's around me. And know that if I do have a bad hour or day in terms of mental health, that's okay. It's about looking at that and saying, what will I do with this? And not try and swim or jump out of it, just flow through it and focus on the now and not focus on how I might be feeling the next day.
2: You know, i was I was seeing and hearing a lot of stories of other people really struggling with it, uh, business people and individuals and and I thought, what can you do is that there's no um there's no work for you right now, but you can still do something so it just came back to the old fallback position that I've had you know with black dog and, and other times of my life as well where okay, if you can't do anything with what you' you know you're quick for with your business, what can you do as a volunteer so I sat down and I spent. Probably the next six weeks, uh, working through a resilience package specifically targeting this whole situation. So, I thought you know a lot of people when they're they're hit with an adversity like this one or a challenge. Um, one of the things that that really knocks them is the fact that um, they have a fear of the unknown. They have a fear of uh, consequence and a fear of change and all these sorts of things. And and more often than not, people are very they don't realise just because they've never been taught. It's really important to get a pen and paper out and actually work through it when you' when you're stuck in these situations, particularly if you're really hard hit, um, because when you sit down and you work through a game plan and and you try to come up with some solutions and and some um, set some goals and and all those sorts of things, it, it gives you an opportunity to reduce the impact of the fear because it gives you a sense that you're taking back a little bit of control on your own situation and it keeps you looking forward to the future as well. So, so I sat down, I worked through, uh, I put together about a 43 page workbook and um, and then I just made it available free through all my networks, through social media and, and all those sorts of things and quite a few people have, and businesses have taken up the, the offer and, and yeah, it's been some pretty good feedback. From it you know just giving people the tools to sit down and plan their way through things but also so I've split into two two groups is there's, the, there's a, the planning strategies which is this one section and then there's the well-being strategies which is the second part of the game plan so that's all the exercise and learning meditation and you know finding a way to give back and you know practicing gratitude and challenging negative thinking all those things go into that as well so I've put all that into the the planning as well, so people can get a good wellbeing game plan written out. And yeah, I think it's helped. So it's given me a sense of purpose as well, while while my work's been shut down, which is huge. And also structure. One of the things where I struggle with a lot is if I've got no structure around my day, uh, it really messes with me. So um, so I'm trying to find little activities like that to. Provide that little bit of structure in, in my days and then my weeks. It's, it's a really big thing. And actually I'm I'm actually coping with the whole the whole COVID-19 thing really well, yeah, as a result.
0: And finally, in recognition of the fact that part of the problem with COVID is the uncertainty about the future that we're all experiencing we asked our guests how they were each feeling about the post-COVID future and what impact they expected their experience of the pandemic would have on their own lives and their futures.
4: There are a couple of things I'm looking forward to in terms of post-coronavirus and because I'm a person of Maybe contradiction or always having two sides of the, the story. The first part is external to me. So what I'm looking forward to in terms of post-COVID is human beings around the world taking time out and learning to care for each other and to care for our planet. And also focusing what's important. I've noticed in a lot of the, the stories people saying, I've realised what is important now. So. That's something I'm looking forward to. In terms of myself, I'm looking forward to the launch of my new book next year and the opportunity to promote Aboriginal culture and how it can improve wellbeing for us all. And just as importantly, in the immediate future, I'm looking forward to coffee and cake in a cafe. I'm really missing cafes. I'm really missing life sport, particularly the, the NRL and the AFL. And I'm also looking forward to travelling, and I was hoping to get to Western Australia in the next 12 months, but judging by how many people are going to Western Australia, from what I can see on television, it'll be too crowded, so I might just hang loose around home because it's pretty nice in Port Stephens too. Having now um, a new...
1: Um, you know, sort of vision for what my work life's going to be. I'm really looking forward to see how that pans out. I am going back or trying to go back, um, although I've done quite a bit of a in the past, I'm trying to really uh, rewind and go back to uh, skills that I possibly haven't actively used for about, you know, uh, a few years now, uh, on a personal level, um, one of the things that has um, you know evolved from the the COVID time was that early on I basically thought of the different sections of my family. I've got an extremely extended family. Um, and lots of cousins, but from my mother's side, from my father's side, some of them know each other, others don't, you know, the younger ones. So I decided I was going to set up groups, um, you know, like the, my, uh, my mother's family side, my father's family side, cousins that I'm, they're like sisters to me, and started up this, um, you know, connection or little group um online and effectively we were communicating a lot through that and um, what's come out of it is that we definitely and I know it's going to happen because we've just realized how much we miss it, miss miss each other when we're only phoning each other once every couple of weeks um, so we've got planned um you know at least uh twice a month to get uh, the cousins together and just have like a book club. Um, so we're going to have a book club of family um, and that's happening on both sides. And it's, it's been really good. It's uh, you tend to sort of take for granted that people, or well, I have um, and I said so I'm with extended families that sometimes happens and with work that you take for granted that uh, people are still there and you just get busy and occasionally you send a text. Um, And it's been very different, actually, Um, again, you know, sort of making a concerted and joint effort that going forward we would actually get together for a walk, a bit of a picnic or whatever. How long that will last, only time will tell. Hopefully it will be forever.
3: Looking forward to getting back into, you know, our work and, and, and doing some more presentations around the area, you know, reconnecting with the Black Dog Institute because they're my team now and I'm a team man. So I do miss being connected to a team. Um, so I'm mean, looking forward to that and just getting back into normal rhythm, you know, being able to exercise with gyms and, um, you know, vary my exercise routine. But it's more, yeah, just reconnecting with everyone and being free to, you know, socialise when I need to and reconnect with work. Apart from that, and I'm just hoping that the world changes that, you know, we do, um, you know, start looking at there are so many people stressed and anxious and depressed before this even happened around Australia. I'm hoping that this is a change that we reassess the way we work and the way we look at life. And so I'm positive for what are the good things that may come out of such a horrible time for
2: Yes, yeah, so when when coronavirus is over, and it will be, I cannot wait to be able to just go and shake people's hands again. <laughs> I'm a massive shaker and a hugger. Like it's like social connection for me is a big thing. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to just be able to. And I'm still doing it when I go up and see people in the street now and, and say hello to them. I've got to put my hands in my pockets because I'm so hopeless. I just put my hand out straight <laughs> straight away, and they look at me and go, mate, what are you doing? So I can't wait to be able to just shake hands again and be relaxed about it. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to just go and sit down at a cafe and having breakfast and go back to my normal rituals of, you know, taking my laptop down in my cafe and ordering a nice breakfast and a coffee and getting some work done. I'm actually looking forward to going back to my local pub and catching up with all those loose cannons that, 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 (laughs) that I drink and play with down there every now and then. Um, but, you know, the, for the things that I've, I've been missing during this whole thing, it's, there's other things that I've actually brought in to my life too and got reacquainted with. You know, the gyms have been shut down and, and, and I, you know, I love my gym work. And, um, and like everyone else, I haven't been able to go to the gym. So I just readapted to other exercise stuff. So I've been getting out of my kayak on the lake. It was so much more. Um, you know, it was gathering dust and I've been really enjoying getting out on that. Um, you know, even my exercise regimes. So I've come up with different programs I can do on a beach with just fences and, and and benches and all sorts of stuff. So so actually there's been some things I've enjoyed and and as much as I'm a social individual, I actually do, there has been times where I actually enjoyed the quietness lately. <laughs> it's not something you want to get used to, but, you know, there's been a couple of times I'm going, you yeah, know, I don't mind this. So I think... For the whole thing I reckon it's been not a bad little reset for, for for a lot of people i mean there's a lot of devastation out there and the real impacts yet to hit us i believe but um but but there's been a, it's been a really good reset and uh, i'm I'm really interested in human behavior and and history and, and I, I I really think that we'll see when this is you know when this is over in particular there will be uh, people will appreciate what they've got so much more, um, you know, particularly the younger generation coming through, which, which is, um, you know, a lot of our generations haven't faced any real serious challenges in history. And this is one, and we're actually living it. So it's actually, in, in a way, it's sort of exciting too, because I can really sit back and see how people are adapting to this. And, you know, we'll be telling stories about this down the track. So, you know, it's a lot to learn from it as well, I think. So, But as far as all the things, I'm, I am really looking forward to getting back to, back to normal and, and maybe the next time I'm caught in a traffic jam in Sydney, I'll actually enjoy it. <laughs> because I know what it's like, the alternative is, we're stuck in our houses, not good.
0: As always, it can be helpful to take a peek into other people's stories and especially to hear how they're coping with the things that we're trying to deal with ourselves. It's also helpful to know where to go if you need help yourself. The internet is full of information to help us cope with this crisis, as well as lots of misinformation to lead us down the wrong path. If you need support, there are a number of reliable online places to go for information about how to manage this difficult time. Websites from reputable organisations such as Black Dog Institute and Beyond Blue have many resources to help you get through. The Head to Health website has a special COVID-19 section highlighting the reliable Australian online resources that may help. And if you're a health professional, you might like to check out The Essential Network, a Black Dog Institute initiative designed especially to support the well-being of those working on the front line of COVID-19. If you need more urgent support, please remember Lifeline on three. 1114